it is that time of year again, Smackheads. WrestleMania season is upon us, and the Union Smack podcast has you covered. I am, of course, the Maniac Matt Tennant in the WrestleMania chair for this special solo edition as we take a look back of one of the most nostalgia-filled WrestleManias in history. But before we get to all that good stuff... You can find me on Twitter at Bruisermate. You can find Travis on Twitter at Huss Hogan. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Union Smack. Go to unionsmack.podbean.com where you can find links to all the other podcast platforms. I won't go through them now because it takes forever. Anchor.fm forward slash union dash smack where you will find the link to Pocket Casts. If you listen to us on Pocket Casts, I know we're gathering steam there as well as in many other countries around the world this week. It's been a phenomenal, phenomenal month, so thank you all for that. Unionsmack.bigcartel.com for all your Habiki TMD merchandise needs and ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer for your official Union Smack logo shirt. And, of course, do visit Lulu.com where you can f- buy... I nearly fucked that up. Did you hear it? where you can purchase copies of my books, The Undertaker, A Trip Down Death Valley, and NXT UK Year One. Now, if you missed any of them, because it is a lot, and I tend to babble, but if you missed any of them, then all the links to everything I've just mentioned are at the top of our Podbean page. So just click on them, and you'll be sorted. Bing, bang, bosh. I don't know why I said bing, bang, bosh. I just did. Now, as you'll have noticed, there's no Travis this week. Uh, That's because this is a little experiment. It's just to see if we can review the same show separately, but for different channels. And to be honest, Travis had this planned with someone else. um, And I'd already done the Union Smack thumbnail for WrestleMania 10, which I loved. You're probably looking at it right now, depending on where you're listening to this. So I decided I'd do this on my own. If you want to hear what Travis has to say about one of my favourite WrestleManias of all time, then hop on over to the Habiki TMD YouTube channel and listen to him and his special guest, who is a good friend of the show, Bernd Retners, or, as you'll know him, Colonel Fancy on Twitter. Now, without further ado... March the 20th, 1994, from Madison Square Garden in the beautiful, some say, New York City, WrestleMania 10, where it all began, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we're going to begin a little differently, because as always, I watched the DVD version of this, because I've got everything on DVD, dating back years, 30, 40 years worth of wrestling on DVD. And on those DVDs come the countdown shows. And if you've listened to the Royal Rumble 94 review we did, or even some of the In Your Houses we do, then I get the countdown shows. I listen to them. I try to review them as much as possible. They're not always brilliant. But this WrestleMania countdown show, hosted, of course, by Todd Pettengill, who is in his best red red bow tie, and Johnny Polo is his co-host. Now, there's not that much to mention from the countdown because it's just basically running through the the video packages for matches, which, you know, we got to see on the event itself, plus in the weeks beforehand on Monday Night Raw and Superstars, etc., etc. But we do get a little Richard vignette where he plays the piano and just babbles something about WrestleMania. I couldn't tell you what he said. He must have been smacked off his tits. And then we see Johnny Polo walking through the backstage area past the Heavenly Bodies, who are waiting at gorilla position behind the curtain to go out for their match. And it's just basically everyone there at Gorilla. You didn't see much of this in 1994. So if you'd bought the countdown show, then it, it, you know, was something very different. Now, the Heavenly Bodies would take on the Bushwhackers in the dark match. Uh, The Heavenly Bodies would win. And would see a decent amount of this match, actually, on the countdown show. Johnny Polo then just breezes down the aisle. And we can see the dark match behind him. 
and it's playing to a half full Madison Square Garden, as you'd expect, because no one's rushing to see the Bushwhackers. Pettengill shows us some more of the dark match as it ends, and it ends with the Bushwhackers hitting the battering ram on Dr. Tom Pritchard, but Jimmy Delray breaks up the pin behind the referee's back and basically makes the cover. It's simple, it's effective, it gets the crowd going, as does Todd Pettengill. However, they don't keep that momentum running, and we cut to men on a mission, rapping, and I'm going to be honest now, this rap is something to behold. They sing, <laughs> they sing amongst fans in this music video, and it is one of the best things they ever did, so do look it up. Uh, I don't know what it's called, Men on a Mission, WrestleMania 10 Rap, Something along those lines, but it must be on YouTube because you haven't lived until you've seen this top notch. Next up on the countdown, we see Jerry Lawler entrance. He gets jeered by fans. He does a little interview as a gospel choir for little Richard gather around the ring. And then Todd Pettengill gets in the ring and plays with the audience to end the countdown. And they love him. It's WrestleMania night, everyone's in the mood, a lot of people have had a drink, and Todd Pettengill is all the better for it, because I don't think he's ever received an ovation like this throughout his entire career. Very, very good work. Now, WrestleMania 10 begins proper with a recap of WrestleMania 1 from Madison Square Garden, and it's a really nice look back. We get these throughout the show, the little look backs uh, from WrestleMania 1 to 9. And there's not much of them. It's like they, they highlight the main match from each WrestleMania. That's about it. The WrestleMania 10 theme, however, for me, has to be one of the most iconic ever. I don't expect you to go and look it up. But like I said at the top of the show, hop over to the Hibiki TMD YouTube channel. Travis has it as the intro to his WrestleMania 10 review. It's just, I love it. Can't get enough. In fact, I think I had the cassette tape. God, date myself. It might even have been the, the vinyl. Bear in mind, this was 1994. I was eight years old. And it came on like a... It wasn't an album. I'm not going to call it an album. Because, you know, that, that does a disservice to actual albums. But it came on a a cassette with other songs, the WrestleMania rap and stuff. And this is the most, for me, iconic WrestleMania theme ever. Now, Vince McMahon is in the ring to welcome us to WrestleMania in his iconic gravelly voice. And then he introduces Little Richard, who he calls the wild man of rock and roll. And it's no coincidence that a year or two later, Mark Moreau was given the same nickname because the resemblance is scary. Little Richard does his best Michael Jackson impression from the red suit to the noises he makes. But it is, it's a very good and inspiring performance. You know, the man's dead, so we'll cut him a bit of slack. One of the, the you know the most influential singers of a generation, depending on what generation you were born in. It, it, it's one of the better WrestleMania performances. Yeah, you know, we've had Kim Kardashian, so compared to that, this is Pavarotti, just at his finest. Next up, we are shown a video package of the excellent Bret Hart versus Owen Hart feud. And this begins at the 1993 Survivor Series. And for those of you who've never seen it, do you know, definitely do your research because with arguably, some say it's The Undertaker and Kane, but for me, Brett versus Owen is the greatest storyline or feud WWE, at the time WWF, have ever done. Now, this takes in Owen's jealousy at Survivor Series and then eventually the Owen Hart heel turn at the 1994 Royal Rumble. And again, if you didn't see it, pop back on this channel, pop back on the Bicky TMD YouTube channel 
and the reviews for the Royal Rumble 1994 are there. Uh, this was so well done. And like I said, arguably the greatest story WWE have ever told. The crazy thing is, it was just the beginning. Like, did, you'd think this, you know, from the reaction it got and the build-up it got and the, the time and money and effort they put into it, you'd have thought this was the culmination of Brett versus Owen. But this was actually just the beginning. They would go on through 1994 for an excellent cage match at SummerSlam. Owen Hart would cost Brett the title at Survivor Series and then the Rumble 95. So there was almost another year and a bit onto this feud as WrestleMania 10 kicked off. That is, that's crazy to think about. Now, there's a great swerve here where the crowd thinks Bret Hart is out first, but it is actually Owen. Top notch to the company for doing that. And I'll tell you what else is mind-blowing before we get on. In the space of five months, so from November 93 to March 94, Owen Hart, and you'll have to uh, you have to pardon my voice. I've been talking a lot recently, and it started to go just at the beginning of this review, so that's good news. Owen Hart, from November 93 to March 94, went from a jobber to feeling like a legit star. That is how well this was done for anyone doubting it. The reaction to Bret is deafening. Of course it is. It's Bret Hart. And this match, ladies and gentlemen, is just pitch perfect. I know there have been many, many WrestleMania matches that have been outstanding. Randy Savage, Steamboat, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, to name just two. You know, we, we could name a whole list, but we don't have time for that. You're busy people. But this match, for me, still remains one of the greatest, if not the greatest opening match in WrestleMania history. Owen Hart celebrates every time he gets the better of his brother. They, they go on to put on a technical masterclass. Owen grabs a reverse waist lock, but Brett sends him through the ropes and Owen slaps him when he gets back in. There's a lovely roll-through nip-up to escape a wrist lock by Owen. And everything here, and you don't see this anymore, but everything Bret Hart does is greeted with hysterics from the audience. It doesn't matter whether he escapes a wrist hold, whether he pulls Owen down by his hair, whether it's just a, you know, a cheeky little inside cradle. Everything Bret Hart does, this crowd is on fire for. And it just goes you know, to the testament of how good and how loved Bret Hart was that he gets this type of reaction. I don't see this type of reaction for anyone in the modern day game. AEW, WWE, you know, Impact, New Japan. This and Bret Hart was just on another level. Hitman hits a monkey flip on Owen, clotheslines him over the top rope and drags him back in for a shoving match. Arm bars, Owen dispersed with near falls for Brett. Owen Hart takes control of the spinning heel kick and then takes the match to the outside. He drives Brett back first into the post. There's a hard Irish whip and backbreaker by Owen, then a lovely camel clutch to work the already injured back. Belly to belly... Springboard crossbody from Owen for a near fall. Perfect German. It's a thing of beauty, this German suplex. And then the match just dissolves into a lovely melting pot of reverses and near falls. Owen Hart reverses a tilt-a-whirl into a tombstone, but misses a diving headbutt in a lovely moment of tension. And then Brett reverses a sharpshooter. Owen reverses that sharpshooter. And then we get to the crux of the the match, the real selling point. Bret Hart comes over the top rope with a, a dive, but hurts his knee on the landing. And that's when we get a repeat of the Rumble 94, and Owen kicks his leg out from under him. It's a, it's a lovely bit of storytelling. And you don't, again, you don't see it that much anymore. It's just all go with little story. But, you know, little harks back to how and why this match is happening, just, you know, put it on another level. 
So Owen goes for the injured knee. And when he's in control, it's 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 hard usually. You know, we forget that Owen Hart was a very good technician in the ring. He didn't start out like that completely. Uh, when he was the blue blazer, you saw none of it. But from here onwards, you would see what a good technician he was. And when he's in control, that is it's visible. This isn't Bret Hart. This is Owen Hart. And Bret allows his brother to show the world what he's made of. And it, it's just a touching little thing. You know, there's so many things you could say about this match. But the way Bret Hart allows his brother to step up and become a star, it, it's possibly one of the most touching things about a match and we we don't talk about you know stuff like that very often but just go and see it and this match is leveled there's level upon level upon level upon layer upon layer of things that you could talk about for hours and hours and hours and that's just one of them so brett sells the leg like a legend drives owen chest first into the buckles and valiantly fights on with one leg there's a low blow behind the referee's back Owen with a sharpshooter, which is very dramatic. And then they slowly work their way into the corner. Brett dodges the charge, ends up on Owen's shoulders. He rolls forward for a victory roll, but Owen Hart blocks it and pins him clean in the ring to end a fantastic war, a tremendous match. And, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say 10 out of 10 for Brett versus Owen. Owen looked every inch as good as his brother. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is how you make a star. It was the right choice to open. There is nothing about this match that you will hate. There's nothing about it I can critique. Even Owen's promo after the match backstage is fantastic. With that glob of spit in the corner of his mouth that looks like a... Looks like he's been sucking someone off, but... Let's not bring it down. 10 out of 10. First class match. If you've never seen this, and it has been on countless DVDs, it's been on, I think, at least one of Brett's. I'm pretty sure it was on the Owen Hart DVD that WWE released. I urge you to go back and watch this match. And if you're an aspiring wrestler, study it. Study this match. Because it is out of this world. We get a WrestleMania 2 video package narrated by Gorilla Monsoon. And then we are introduced to hairdresser Cy Sperling. Now I don't know who Cy Sperling is. Back then when I was 8 years old I'd certainly never heard of Cy Sperling. But I do remember the vignettes that used to air on Superstars. Where he'd give wrestlers a different hairdo every week. Um, I, I think there was even one for Doink the Clown, you know, where he'd done Doink's wig for him. And obviously it meant nothing to me at eight years old. Cy Sperling means nothing to me now. But it, again, it's it's just another lovely little bit of nostalgia from a childhood. He introduces Howard Finkel and in comes Howard Finkel with a wig on. Credit where credit's due. It's a really, really good wig. I mean, it looks absurd because we've seen Howard Finkel for, what, 10 years before this coming bold and suddenly full head of hair. Next match, Bam Bam Bigelow and Luna Vachon versus Doink the Clown and Dink the Clown. Now, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know my love for Dink. You know my love for Doink. I don't think, obviously, Ray Apollo, who was Doink the Clown at WrestleMania 10. He wasn't as good a wrestler as Matt Bourne, but you know, credit where credit is due again, and there's probably going to be a lot of that saying tonight, so get used to it. Ray Apollo did his very best with a character that had peaked in, what, September 1993. He made Doink the Clown lovable. He made him fun to watch. Yeah, without Ray Apollo, the the feud against Jerry Lawler would have been worse than it it turned out to be. 
going into Survivor Series 1994. So credit to Ray Apollo for doing a great job. Sadly, this match wasn't great. You couldn't actually, you couldn't get a different match than the opener, than this. It has a special place in my heart though, because when I was eight years old, I loved this match. Bam Bam Bigelow scared me to death. You know, the, the heel doing the clown to the, the baby face doing the clown was night and day. I eventually grew to love Doink, even though the, the Matt Bourne Doink scared me. To, you know, it just put the fear of God into me. Not so much that I didn't like clowns. Um, that, that came when I watched It for the first time. But... So, Bigelow attacks as soon as Doink gets in the ring. Pounds on him. The one thing I will say about Ray Apollo and the Doink the Clown that Ray Apollo portrayed was that he took a convincing beating. When he was slammed, he, he'd go like a rag doll. You know, his limbs would flail. He'd just act dead. And it was convincing to see. He portrayed the, the clown in distress very, very well. Dink gets in to challenge Bigelow. Luna Vachon is in, and she does a great job of both selling and carrying Doink to a decent... Doink, sorry, Dink, to a decent few minutes... Dink flips around for her. Vachon misses a great splash. Uh, that allows Dink to tag Doink. Dink and Doink. This, this is difficult to say at 10 past 11 at night. Doink is clotheslined over the top rope. Dink gives Luna and Bam Bam the run around inside. And then Doink hits a lovely DDT on Bigelow, but misses the whoopee cushion. Bigelow reverses a back suplex into a crossbody. Hits two headbutts and then a diving headbutt for the win. Bigelow and Vachon defeat Doink and Dink. However, after the match, Dink gets in. He attacks Bam Bam. But then Luna Vachon gets her hands on him. And then there's a massive botch. They both go to splash Dink. He rolls the wrong way underneath Luna Vachon. And then Luna Vachon pushes him away. And has to sell has to sell it like she missed him. Not so good, but like I said, this match has a, a special place in my heart. And one day we will get Ray Apollo on this show because there are questions I would like to ask him. And I bet he has some great, great stories to tell. Next we go to a Bill Clinton lookalike in the crowd who is flanked by IRS and Jack Tunney. And he fooled a lot of people because he really did look like Bill Clinton. But I've heard from Jim Cornette that you know th this guy was popular backstage in WWE because of how authentic he looked. And Vince McMahon you know, just loved to wheel people like this out. We get some WrestleMania 3 highlights. And of course, what is WrestleMania 3 highlight all about? Hogan versus Andre. And I, I can't quibble, quite rightly so. One of the biggest main events in WrestleMania history. Not the best. It was dog shit in the ring. But, you know, the spectacle of Hogan versus Andre and Andre taking his first, inverted commas, television loss. It was just massive. What wasn't massive was the next match. Falls count anywhere. Randy Savage versus Crush. Now, before we get into this, the rules. You might think, oh, falls count anywhere. They can just pin them around the ring. The first pinfall gets the victory. Wrong. This was a, a mashup of falls count anywhere and last man standing. Because whoever got the, the first pinfall would win that you know, so-called round. And then... The person who had lost would have 10 seconds to get back to the ring. I don't know why they did this. I couldn't tell you. So, Randy Savage attacks Crush in the aisle. And this is after Crush has turned heel on Randy Savage. For me, as a kid, again, eight years old, it was shocking to see someone you know, I'd loved as a babyface like Crush turn on Randy Savage. But just another... 
you know, another one of the great memories of my, my wrestling childhood, along with Doink turning on Crush. A lot of turns going on in 1993. So Savage attacks Crush in the aisle. Crush hits a lovely tilt a world slam and drops Savage throat first over the guardrail for the first pinfall. That means Randy Savage has, I think it's 60 seconds to get back in the ring. I'm not sure whether I said 10 seconds a few, a few minutes ago, but it's 60 seconds to get back in the ring. Mr. Fuji hits Savage with a flag as he goes to return, and that leaves us with a tense 10 seconds, but of course, Savage makes it back in. Crush hangs him in a tree of woe, grabs some salt, but Savage kicks that salt back in Crush's face, hits a flying elbow drop, pushes Crush to the outside and pins him, which means Crush now has 60 seconds to get back into the ring. You can see how it's going. I don't need to keep telling you. Fuji pours water over Crush's face to wake him up and Crush just about makes it back. Credit, oh, I'm going to say it again. I've got to find another word for that. They keep the in-ring stuff short and sweet between falls to hide Crush's limitations. They don't do a big 20-minute in-ring thing. And they could have done... Randy Savage was more than capable of, you know, covering for Crush. But they decided to keep it short and sweet, which I should be, you know, praised for, because this could have been much worse than it actually turned out. Savage takes a huge backdrop over the top rope. They fight around ringside and then the macho man clotheslines Crush into the audience and they fight to the back. Randy throws Crush through the doors and pins him. Now, this bit, I I didn't like this bit. The ending, again, one of the classic endings, but just throwing him head first through doors would get the three count. No, it just didn't sit right with me. So to stop Crush getting to his feet by the count of 60 and making it back to the ring, the macho man ties Crush's feet to some scaffolding and hoists him upside down so he can't return. Again, like the match, it was short and sweet. It's what it needed to be, in all honesty. Uh, Crush couldn't done, couldn't have done more. And for me... Yes, yeah, th- this match is, is despised, I, I think it's fair to say. And I've seen a lot of GIFs followed by comments on Twitter this week of one of the worst WrestleMania matches ever. But it really wasn't one of the worst ever. One of the worst for the time? Me, not really. You know, God bless him. Scott Hall versus Bob Backlund the year before wasn't great. Mr. Perfect versus Lex Luger the year before wasn't great. You know, a lot of matches from WrestleMania 9 were just terrible. So I, I don't think you can lump this into the, the absolutely awful category. It it could have been better. It could have been worse. It was what it was. And I, I think they should be at least applauded for getting a decent match out of Crush and not having to go 20 minutes. Just my opinion. Next, Todd Pettingill is with Bill Clinton. I say Bill Clinton, the, the Bill Clinton lookalike. He says he's a fan of wrestling and puts a WWF over. And then they use this as an opportunity for Erwin R. Scheister to congratulate him for raising the taxes. Shocker. Video package. For the WrestleMania FanFest airs, and I wanted to really, I really wanted to attend this as a kid. You know, it, it looked more fun than it does today, just because you didn't see it. You know, you didn't see it. You see it now at WrestleMania, at the Rumble, at SummerSlam. I don't think you see it so much at Survivor Series anymore, because that's not treated as a big pay-per-view like it used to be. But they were few and far between in the early 90s. And when one popped up, it was a, a must you know, attend event, especially to dunk doink. Try and say that when you're pissed. Next, we see Randy Savage making his way through the fans at the Paramount Theatre next door. They loved him there. And then we get a WrestleMania 4 video package, which highlights Randy Savage beating Teddy Biassi for the WWF Championship and the 
the result, or I say the resultant, the WWF Championship Tournament, which went before. Next up is a short one. Alundra Blaze versus Lalani Kai for the WWF Women's Championship. Oh, yes, 1994, ladies and gentlemen. And the best they had for Alundra Blaze was, <laughs> was Lalani Kai. Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure you've all seen this. Travis actually put a, a picture of it up on Twitter not too too long ago. They did put the Owen Hart nameplate over Alundra Blaze, but that has been rectified on the DVD. So you'd never know it happened if you only watched this event on DVD. But some smart ass in the back wasn't paying attention. They look, must have looked at the screen and went, oh, Owen Hart's back out to the ring. Same haircut, you see. As for the match itself, Lelani Kai bulldozes the champion to begin, but Blaze uses her quickness to outsmart her. Kai uses the power, and she's not what she used to be. Honestly, she, she was a decent tag team performer, but here she's aged badly. She, she's not the talent she was. She throws Blaze round by her hair. Blaze counters a running clothesline into her own, but then it's just filler until the end. And that's what this match is. It's just filler. Blaze wins with the German. Short enough not to be bad. Alundra Blaze looked great. It was about 3 minutes 20. Would I say avoid it? No. It's not going to ruin your night. It's not going to take up much of your time. It is a piss break match. But then that was what the, you know, the women's division and the women's championship was. In those days, unfortunately. Just think, if they'd have had the foresight to bring Bulnacano in before. Alundra Blaze versus Bulnacano, 20 minutes in Madison Square Garden on a WrestleMania stage. It could have been arguably the greatest WrestleMania match in history. Just imagine that. Just imagine sitting here in 2020, if things had been different... And saying the greatest WrestleMania match in history was Bull Nakano versus Alundra Blaze at WrestleMania 10. And it could have been. But unfortunately, they didn't care enough about the division just yet to make it so. After a video package for WrestleMania 5, we get what I think is one of the most underrated matches on the entire card. Quebecers versus Men on a Mission for the WWF Tag Team Championships. Todd Pattengill begins this backstage with Ronda Shear, and I still don't know who Ronda Shear is. All these years later, I've never bothered to look her up. I think from Up All Night or something along those lines. We didn't get that over here, to my knowledge. But... Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels interrupts her and then Burt Reynolds interrupts Shawn Michaels. And then when this comes back, the Quebecers are already in the ring. They didn't even have the respect for them to give them their own entrance on, on camera. That is disgusting. They'd rather piss about with Ronda Shear and Burt Reynolds, who, let's be honest, wrestling fans couldn't give a flying fuck about. Pardon my French. Now, again, long-time listeners to this podcast will know that I love the Quebecers. Jacques Rougeau, just one of the most underrated professional wrestlers in history. At least, you know, in my opinion. He doesn't get the love he deserves. And like we said on the Royal Rumble 1994 review, one day we will do like an omnibus of, of Quebecers matches, of Mountie matches, j- just so we can explain to you in more depth just how good Jacques Rougeau was. The Quebecers attack men on a mission from behind, and this has a very nice pace early on, because Mabel lets Mo do most of the work, and Mo just basically spends a lot of time getting beaten up, just allowing the Quebecers to show you know, what they can do. And this, this isn't a squash match. You know, this isn't a television match. I mean, you know, it could have been on, on Superstars or Wrestling Challenge, etc. But they, they really put something into this. And I've not listened to 
what Travis has said about it, this match yet. I, I purposely didn't listen to his review before I recorded mine, just because I didn't want it to, I don't know, influence or, or sway what I was I was going to say, or for you guys to think that yeah we, we just copied each other. So right now I have no idea what he thought about this match. I will go back and listen shortly, as you all should. But for me, th- this was a WrestleMania. You know, caliber match. It it should have been given more time. It could have been given more time because you cut the women's championship match out. You cut the the Adam Bomb earthquake silliness out, and you've easily given this match another five to seven minutes, which it you know it could have done with. But I'm not going to quabble. For me, the main thing is the Quebecers got a WrestleMania match. Now. They get the better of Mo with an illegal double team, and Jacques backdrops Pierre over the top rope onto Mo. Looks absolutely fabulous. They work really well, the Quebecers. They carry this because, let's face it, men on a mission weren't going to carry it. Mo hits a running cannon, cannonball on Pierre, but the Quebecers stop the hot tag, and then Pierre misses a diving leg drop, and Mo gets his own hot tag. And, of course, in comes Mabel. <laughs> this is before the, the King Mabel calamity. So he, he was still not a solid worker, but let's say reliable. That's that's the best we, we, we can say about Mabel, I think. He clears house, misses a corner charge, and then the Quebecers try to double suplex him. Can't do it, but do get it on a second try. Mabel takes a really nice bump here as well. Like I said, this this was pre-King Mabel when he'd given up, when he'd put on even more weight. And Mabel was best in a tag team where he had to do maybe a minute and a half, two minutes of work and could rely on Mo to do the rest. The Quebecers hit their flip-flop and fly for a near fall. Jacques gets on Mabel's back. Pierre comes off the rope. But Mabel ducks and Pierre hits Jacques, which doesn't sit well with the Quebecers. And then Mabel hits a huge spinning wheel kick to Pierre. And men on a mission, double team. I've written down double team R splash to Jacques and Pierre on the outside because I don't know what else to call it. But Johnny Polo pulls Jacques out of the ring and the Quebecers get counted out to retain the championships. However, we would well we wouldn't see, but there would be a championship change of hands. Men on the mission defeated the Quebecers in April at the Royal Albert Hall in he right here in the United Kingdom, but lost the titles back to them two days later on the pre WrestleMania European tour. Next we get a WrestleMania six video package. And then we get a video of Lex Luger versus Yokozuna, The History. This, of course, goes back to the USS Intrepid. Yokozuna being slammed by Luger. And we see the SummerSlam match. For me, right, um, obviously, we, we see the Rumble finish as well, where Brett and Luger went over at the same time. I wouldn't personally have shown the, the SummerSlam match, the Lex Luger Yokozuna SummerSlam match and if you obviously if you didn't see it Yokozuna got counted out Lex Luger didn't win the WWF championship when it should have been put on him and that's basically what killed his career I think in we did um we did the SummerSlam 93 review on the YouTube channel so do go back and listen to that but if you don't then I will be putting it up in July you know We've got a lot of summer summer slam stuff to to get up. Uh, I don't want to put it all up this year, obviously, but I, I will put the SummerSlam '93 review up for you in July, August, as we we get into SummerSlam season. Because we've done a lot of '93, '94 stuff this year already, and there, there will be some more coming among you know adopted among the in your house bits and bobs. So I think it's only right that goes up. We then see the coin toss. We're still with the video package here. I just went off on one. We've seen the coin toss to see who would face Yokozuna first. 
And it is, of course, Lex Luger, who is ecstatic. Because you would be, wouldn't you? That's what you really want, is you want to face Yokozuna first. You know, you, you want, what, two matches? Because if Luger beat Yokozuna, he'd then have to go and face Bret Hart. As where, for me, you'd, you'd probably want to face Yokozuna last when he's tired, when he's already had a match. Or failing that, you'd want to face Bret Hart in his third match of the night. Already injured against Owen Hart. Take, took a pound in from Yokozuna. And then has to come onto the main event to face you. So if I'm Lex Luger, I'm not celebrating that I've got... You know, I've got to face Yokozuna first. I'm annoyed that I don't either have to face him last in his second match or face Bret Hart in his third match of the night. But, you know, Lex Luger was a happy old soul. He was just happy to be there by that point. Then Howard Finkel introduces Ronda Shear and Donnie Wahlberg as the ring announcer and timekeeper. For the WWF Championship match, number one, Yokozuna defending against Lex Luger. And dear God almighty, this was a slog. The best part about this was Mr. Perfect in his referee pyjamas, a special guest ref, comes out to a huge ovation. We hadn't seen him for a while. I, I, I can't remember the last time we actually saw Mr. Perfect on WWF television. It was... He left in 93, just before Survivor Series. But, I mean, it must have been in an active role on pay-per-view. It must have been SummerSlam 93. So it, it, it was a long time. Fans loved him. Glad to see him back. What they weren't glad of, however, was sitting through this fucking match. So Lex Luger starts off with big punches. Clothesline attempts at the start, and it's all going very well. I won't deny that. It, it, it looks like it's going to you know, go at a clip, hit a nice pace. Yokozuna in the clotheslines, Lex Luger to the mat, misses an elbow. It goes outside. Luger gets the advantage by ramming Yokozuna into the steps. A flying crossbody, an elbow drop, and a, a little botch, because Mr. Perfect does actually count to three on the elbow drop when he's meant to count to two. But he can't take all the blame, obviously. You know, they didn't kick out on time. Luger goes to slam Yokozuna, but Zuna collapses on him. And then the champion takes off the top turnbuckle. Luger, I was going to say Luna. I'm just imagining Luna Vachon now against Yokozuna. Luger hits back with punches, but Yokozuna puts him down. And then it happens, ladies and gentlemen. Yokozuna applies the first of, I think, about four or five really long nerve holds. The chemistry just fizzled out as quick as you can click your fingers between these two. It wasn't there. Yokozuna couldn't do anything with a, a 1994 Lex Luger here. And so he just applies a nerve hold, the first of which has to be two minutes. Easily, I didn't time it, but easily has to be two minutes long. Yoko relentlessly hammers Luger into the mat afterwards, and then another fucking nerve hold. The match by now is dead. Second nerve hold in, completely and utterly dead. You might as well have called it here. So Luger battles out. Yoko throws him out of the ring for, just for no reason, just so he can get back in and apply a third nerve hold. And then we get a fourth. And this is now nearly 15 minutes into the match. And I'd say of that 15 minutes, at least six of it is nerve holds. And it's not it's not a nerve hold at the beginning, then five minutes of action. No, it, it's almost six minutes of nerve holds consecutively. <laughs> It just fair boggles the mind that they ran this past an agent backstage and that agent went brilliant. The fans will absolutely love seeing you sit still in the middle of the ring on pay-per-view on the biggest event of the year 
for nearly six minutes. Just disgusting. This does pick up slightly towards the end. A belly to belly by Yokozuna. And it's clear that they've lost interest in Lex Luger by this point. Just by the way he's booked and portrayed. He gets some clotheslines. About three, I, I think. Takes down Yokozuna. Slam. Bionic forearm. And then Jim Cornette and Mr. Fuji come in. They take a beating. Mr. Perfect seems more bothered about checking on the managers instead of counting the fall for Lex Luger. And then Luger gets up. He pulls Perfect around to count and Perfect disqualifies him. Luger chases him to the back and we get loud bullshit chants. Now, I'm not sure whether they were chanting about the end of this match or about the match itself. It could have been either. Absolutely terrible, terrible match. We cut backstage to Mr. Perfect, who is being interviewed. He says Lex Luger has no business putting his hands on him or pulling managers into the ring. I mean, it's a good backstage confrontation, especially when Lex Luger gets back and the road agents and the referees are, are having to hold them apart. But, you know, what did Lex Luger expect in reality? It's predetermined, but logically... What would Lex Luger have expected? Because this technically was Mr. Perfect's payback from WrestleMania 9 when Lex Luger cheated to beat him. So the story took a year, but it came full circle. So bravo for that. Skipping through the WrestleMania 7 video package, which they actually did. This couldn't have been more than 10 seconds. We get a very, very short Adam Bomb versus Earthquake match. God. 1994 and you're still peddling out Earthquake, eh? God bless John Tenter. Now, this was meant to be Ludwig Borger versus Earthquake, but Borger suffered an ankle injury in the Madison Square Garden Royal Rumble um, against Rick Steiner, which was never... Aired, never broadcast, but I, I did write a feature on it for Inside the Ropes, actually. Maybe me and Travis will review it. Um, there's no footage of it that I know of, but you know, I, I know of the matches, I know what, what happened, etc. So, so maybe that'll be a nice little, uh, a nice little thing to do in the future because there's not too many podcasts that have you know taken stuff like that and reviewed it because they can't watch it howard finkel and harvey whippleman actually go at it at the beginning of this match but adam bomb comes down to threaten finkel earthquake follows him for the save power slam earthquake splash for the win 35 seconds this is pointless but after the yokozuna lex luger stuff it, it was a feel-good moment, and the fans didn't mind it. It, it. You know, it didn't take up much time. But like I said before, you could have took this, the women's championship off the card, and given it to the the, the tag teams. Todd Pettengill is backstage with Yokozuna, Mr. Fuji, and Jim Cornette. Cornette is as fabulous as always on the mic when talking about Lex Luger, the match, and Bret Hart, who is to come. And... He's, he was perfect for Yokozuna, Jim Cornette. Every word is gold. I think he added a lot to Yokozuna's character, to Yokozuna's WWF Championship reign. And, you know, I know he's got his his opinions on certain things in, in the present, you know, some of which I agree with, some of which I don't agree with. But I always love listening to him on a weekly basis or when I can. For me... Like we said in question time number one, you know, on on the Mount Rushmore of of greatest managers of all time, you can't take that away from him, even if you don't like him in the present. He says Yokozuna is a shark, WrestleMania is the ocean, and Bret Hart is the blood poured in that starts the feeding frenzy. What a line that was! What a line. WrestleMania 8 video package leads to the WWF Intercontinental Championship ladder match. Razor Ramon versus Shawn Michaels. Now, 
this is the first podcast we've done since the passing of Scott Hall. Uh, there's nothing else I can say about the man that other people haven't already. He was a legend. He was an icon. He changed the business you know, for so many people. For myself, Razor Ramon was a staple of my childhood. And yes, Scott Hall had his demons, but when he passed, I put on Twitter that he was one of life's great survivors. And he was one of life's great survivors. He overcame all his demons. He's just an inspirational figure in the history of, of professional wrestling. Because if Scott Hall could do it, who was almost consumed by you know the the drugs and the alcohol, etc. He 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 his life was almost nothing when Diamond Dallas Page got him. And yet, in the years afterwards, he turned his life around. He was a coach at the PC for a while. You know, Hall of Famer. Just rest in peace, Scott Hall, because you're going to be sadly missed. Now, this match came about because Shawn Michaels was suspended in 1993 after testing positive for steroids, I, I believe it was. Now, obviously, the title went to Razor Ramon when he beat Rick Martel as the the only two survivors of the Battle Royal. Beat Rick Martel in a singles match for the championship. Shawn Michaels came back proclaiming he was the real Intercontinental Champion. And all the shenanigans led to ladder match. Two belts hanging above the ring. The winner would be the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. Now, this is one of the all-time classic WrestleMania matches. <clears throat> like I said with Brett and Owen, it, you know, WrestleMania 10 gave us not only two classic matches, two unforgettable bouts, but also you know, the culmination of a year-long story in the main event, which is still to come. Diesel gets sent to the back very early on here for, for clotheslining Razor Ramon outside. Michaels counters a razor's edge with a backdrop over the top onto the concrete. Baseball slide into the ladder, which hits Scott Hall hard in the stomach. And it gets a great reaction, as does you know, the ladder shot to the stomach later on. Michaels' use of the ladder is very well done early on. You know, and it fits his heelish character. Dives off, diving elbow, I should say, off the ladder with his arse on display. Not something I want to see, but the ladies absolutely loved it. And then we've got that classic Shawn Michaels dive off the top of the ladder, which has to be, I, I think, probably the most iconic WrestleMania image ever. When, when WrestleMania 10 is featured in any annual or any you know, special almanac, whatever. The picture is always that side shot of Shawn Michaels coming off of that ladder on to Scott Hall. That I could have worded that a lot better. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, it's one of them nights. Ramon pushes the ladder... <laughs> oh, fuck. Ramon pushes the ladder over. Shawn Michaels topples onto the, onto the rope to stop the climb. And then Ramon reverses... I can't even speak after that. Ramon reverses the Irish whip into the ladder, uses it to beat Shawn Michaels around the ring, and then catapults him against the apron into the ladder. And both men put their all into this, and it shows. Crowder into it, move for move. Like I said at the beginning, you don't get this involvement anymore from fans. Ramon throws Michaels off at the top of the ladder, but the ladder breaks and collapses under him. Switching music, pile driver. Michaels uses the ladder as a surfboard to come off the top. And then Sean gets crotched on the top rope. His leg tangled, then his arm gets tangled in a lovely piece of coordination, allowing Razor Ramon to climb up and secure both championships. I haven't done this match justice. I don't think anyone could do this match justice if they spoke for five hours it is perfect however it is a little bit con 
contentious because this went longer than planned. Uh, both men did actually keep going and ignored the referee's calls to end it several times. And that was a direct cause of the 10-man tag team match to be cancelled. And it got heat on both men. And that 10-man tag team match, it would have to transpire the next night on Raw. It didn't make Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels popular backstage. But it gave us, you know, arguably again, one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. And I would have preferred, you know, to sit through 10 minutes more of this than a meaningless 10-man tag anyway. And we are almost there, ladies and gentlemen. We are almost on the home stretch. And it's been a good event so far, hasn't it? Brett versus Owen, Razor versus Sean, Quebecers versus Men on the Mission. All right, we, yeah, we, we've had Earthquake and Adam Bomb littered throughout it. We've had the Doink and Dink versus Luna and Bam Bam, which wasn't all that bad. And Savage versus Crush, which, you know, you, you, you can take or leave. But for me, so far, in-ring has been really, really strong. And that ladder match just just summed up, like, how much I, I, I think WWF and, obviously, the active superstars in 1994 wanted to erase the memory of WrestleMania 9 because they really, really tried. You watch 9, you watch 10, night and day. The effort they put in, just, you know, ladder match. If a ladder match had taken place at WrestleMania 9, it might have been a whole different story. If Brett versus Owen had been WrestleMania 9, whole different story. People would be looking at WrestleMania 9 and going, one of the best WrestleManias ever. But they saved it all up, and we got, you know, a year's worth of almost frustration and regret coming out in in some absolutely stellar bouts. So we next cut backstage to see Jeff Jarrett, IRS, Rick Martell and the Head Shrinkers arguing about who will be captain of their team. Well, no one, boys, because it doesn't happen as we have already discussed. Todd Pettengill is back with the Bill Clinton lookalike and he brings to attention the million-dollar man who sat behind him and Ted DiBiase cuts this next promo as if he's got a gun against his head. There's no care. There's no enthusiasm for it. It's it's just maddening why he agreed to do it. Because the Million Dollar Man in 1994 you know, was on his way to becoming purely a manager. He'd done commentary at the 94 Rumble, for which he sounded absolutely terrible on. And this it, this was just, you know, can I have my wife and kids back now? Just terrible, 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 terrible. Now, we get the final WrestleMania 9 video package. We all needed to be reminded of that. And then we get a video for the history of Yokozuna versus Bret Hart. And you see, just from this video alone, that this has been a build over a year to get Bret Hart's WrestleMania 9 win and revenge back. It's basically a music video of both men with highlights of them in the ring, but it's better than nothing. We get more guest celebrities. Jackie Gard, no idea again, I'm not American, and Burt Reynolds. No one cares, but Burt does get a pop, bless him. And then Rowdy Roddy Piper is introduced as the special guest referee. He gets a massive pop, almost takes the roof off the garden. And I'm going to go as far as to say that Roddy Piper stole Bret Hart's thunder here. Quite a bit, actually. Because they're still chanting for Piper as Yoko Zuna's music hits. You know, Bret does his best to, to, to sell the leg limps to the ring and while he's getting attacked on entry by Yokozuna whose nappy guard by the way is coming off I don't know what to call it I know they're like Samoan pants but for me it's a nappy guard they're still chanting for Rowdy Roddy Piper Brett does a comeback it doesn't get the reaction 
it did against Owen. But what does get a reaction, surprise, surprise, is Rowdy Roddy Piper. He argues with Yokozuna. That gets a massive reaction, as does his seeing off Jim Cornette. And he does, for a while, overshadow Brett in what is meant to be you know, Brett's moment. But that's not Piper's fault. That's just a testament to his popularity and how much people still loved him in 1994. I'm sure Rowdy Roddy Piper didn't go out there thinking, right, this is going to be my show. I'm going to steal this moment from, from Bret Hart. Because him and Bret, they liked each other. They were close friends backstage. So I think more a testament to how loved and respected Piper was in the business rather than a, you know, a sabotage attempt. However, the crowd does get behind Brett eventually, and it really, he has to really work hard to get Yokozuna down. Jim Cornette pulls Roddy Piper out during a, a, a pinfall attempt. Piper hits him to more loud Roddy chants. There's a huge Yokozuna leg drop as the match descends into... It descends into a Yokozuna domination, really. But he does it better with Brett than he did on Lex Luger. There's no, you know, six minutes of nerve holds here. Because, uh, you know, Brett Hart had it laid out. Brett Hart knew what he wanted to do with Yokozuna. And really, you, you get the feeling that this is what he couldn't do with Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9. And if... You've not heard the story then. Brett versus Yokozuna at WrestleMania 9 was meant to be a lot longer. was meant to be you know, a lot more. But Yokozuna didn't have the stamina, according to Brett, to carry it off. So they couldn't do it. So this match, basically, was what they couldn't get in at WrestleMania 9. Which is fine. Yokozuna misses a corner charge. Bret Hart hits a bulldog from the second rope for a near fall. And then we get a great Bret Hart hangman clothesline. And all Roddy, Roddy Piper is very dramatic. Hart goes for the flying clothesline. Yokozuna catches him in a botched bear hug, which he has to you know, credit to him. He thinks quickly, turns it into a belly-to-belly to avoid any serious injury to Bret Hart. And then he drags the hitman into the corner, goes for the banzai drop, he loses his balance, and Bret Hart covers him for the win. Now, the end has always been a classic end. Questionable, but classic. It did make Bret Hart look a little bit lucky. Um, you know, th- there was the question hanging over his head that, hang on a minute, would you have actually rolled out the way had Yokozuna not fallen? But it did the job. Bret Hart is the new WWF champion, and then we get the, the celebration at the end. Lex Luger is in to tease a standoff, but they shake hands. And then Piper comes back, Razor, Savage, Tatonka, 1-2-3, Kid, Burt Reynolds, Martha Shears, Donnie Wahlberg, Gorilla Monsoon, Sparky Plug. They're all down to congratulate Bret Hart. Hoist him high in the air as Madison Square Garden. Cheer. And then Owen Hart is in the aisle watching on. And it just carries on. It, it it finishes one feud, but carries on another. As as we've said, Brett versus Owen would go into 1994. Some terrific matches. Terrific moments. And WrestleMania 10 for me, was a great, great event. It undid and made up for WrestleMania 9. Classic matches. Only a few of them you'd really have to skip through. And there was a you know a show long storyline throughout it. Bret Hart's first his fall, and then his elevation back to the top of the card. I can't really say more about it than that because for me one of one of the best WrestleManias of all time, nostalgia wise. You know, have they been better in ring? Of course they have. But for me, this will always rank up there in my top five. Fond, fond memories. And we've done it, ladies and gentlemen. We have done it. Just as my voice is about to go, we have completed the task. And 
thank you very, very much for sticking with me. Like I said at the top of the show, if you want to go and listen now to what Travis has to say, hop over to the Hibiki TMD YouTube channel where Travis and Colonel Fancy or Burn Retners, depending on what you know him as best, will go over everything we've gone over here, probably add some more tales, some more history to what I've already given you. So go and support them. Leave a comment, leave a like, leave a subscribe. Do the same here. We could always do with more subscribers, but March, you have absolutely knocked it out the park with downloads. I hope April is as good, but I will not expect it. Thank you for everything. Thank you for your time, your downloads, for making us you know, a bigger success in March than we've been through January and February combined. So here's the 2,000 subscribers. You've got us over uh, 2,000 downloads, I should say. You've got us over well over 1,000 already. Enjoy WrestleMania season. Me and Travis will be back probably next week or later this week, depending on when you listen to this, with our WrestleMania 17 review, as well as question time number two. And (laughs) do you know what? I've run out of words. I've run out of gratitude and thanks. But you can follow me on Twitter at BruiserMate. Follow Travis on Twitter at HussHogan. Follow all the goings-on with Union Smack on Twitter at Union Smack. UnionSmack.Podbean.com where you can find links to all the other podcasting platforms. Anchor.fm forward slash Union dash Smack where you'll find the link to Pocket Casts. UnionSmack.BigCardale.com for all your Hibiki TMD merchandise needs. And ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Rocky Buyer where you can pick up the official Union Smack logo shirt and do visit lulu.com where you can purchase a copy of my books the undertaker a trip down death valley and nxt uk year one as always if you've missed any of that then all the links are available at the very top of our podbean page ladies and gentlemen thank you again you have our eternal gratitude cannot thank you enough we will see you on the other side enjoy wrestlemania if you can Cheerio, mates.